Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 2, Episode 3, Bob, Who is a Pony? If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, to get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist Aaron Davis. Please check the show notes for links to Aaron's final artwork and coloring page. One thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you are inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin Season 2, Episode 3 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Bob who is a pony. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice, a mother dragon of her five children, Azrael, Petra, Edwin, Lyle, and Smudge, set off on a quest to find Beatrice's missing egg, which they believe was stolen by the fairies and ponies. They are joined by knight-in-training Talora Shamsa and Tom Thomas, a stable boy. During their adventure, Beatrice suffers a near-fatal stab wound from a unicorn, Tom, Talora, and the Draglings unite the fairies, ponies, and the unicorn in magic to save Beatrice's life. However, in return, the ponies ask for Beatrice's help, as they are being terrorized by a powerful dragon, Shakatala. Beatrice reveals that Shakatala is the Dragling's father, who may have never met. Meanwhile, Tom reveals an old prophecy that may provide some clue to the location of Beatrice's missing egg, which Carnelian and the fairies have gone to investigate. Mom, this is so exciting. I can't believe I'm going to meet my actual father. I mean, look, I know he's not exactly himself these days and everything. And he's probably not going to give me like a nice jewel from his super crazy armor like he did for Azrael. And like, he may not listen when you ask him nicely to leave the ponies alone because why would he? I mean, he's pretty much the most powerful dragon in all the land, right? So why would he listen to us, you know? I mean, I wouldn't listen to us if I were him. So like, probably, Mom, you'll have to like actually attack him and force him to leave. But... That'll be fine, because even if he's super powerful, so are you. Right, Mom? Right, Mom? Right, Mom? I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay, right? Because you were saying that dragon battles are pretty normal and everything, so I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of nervous, too. But mostly, I'm excited, I think, because I've never seen a dragon battle before, and it's my dad and my mom, and it's okay if moms and dads fight sometimes. That's just life. You know, it's just... Lyle. Yeah, Mom? There is not going to be a dragon battle. We are going to talk to your father and ask him to leave, and he is going to listen. Sure, sure, sure. But there might be a dragon battle. I mean, you never know, right? Hey, Mom. Yes, Edwin? Is this a good thing to wear to a dragon battle and also to meet my father for the first time? Edwin swept around her mother and Lyle in circles, displaying a brightly colored wreath of flowers that she'd arranged on her head spikes. Tom made it for me. I think it's very fancy. That is very nice, Edwin. Well done, Tom. Thanks, Beatrice. I can make one for you if you want. Uh, no thank you. Is everyone ready to go? Beatrice looked around at the assembled group. Lyle, Edwin, Azrael, and Petra, Tom and Talora, and Moonbeam, Starfire, and a large contingent of the Rainbow Herd all stared back at her expectantly, replying in a chorus of, Ready! 
Beatrice wasn't ready. Ready was the last thing she was. She had wanted to go and talk to Shakatala alone, not with an audience that included her children. She was uneasy about this encounter, and no matter what she had told Lyle, she was worried that Shakatala would not respond well to her request that he leave the grasslands. Oh well, she thought. There was nothing to be done but move forward and hope for the best. At least Smudge would be safe, staying behind under the care of the ponies with his new favorite playmates, the baby ponies. She glanced over and watched him for a moment, dragging two baby ponies through the grass by their hooves. The ponies were neighing happily, and Smudge was growling and snorting. Mom? Yes, Petra? I think there's something wrong with Azrael. When I asked him, he wouldn't tell me anything, but he looks terrible. Ever since he had returned from his visit to Shakatala yesterday, Azriel had looked wan and tired, but Beatrice had just assumed it was the exhaustion from his encounter with his father. She studied him carefully before deciding that Petra was correct. There was something not quite right about him. Azriel, Beatrice said gently, what? Are you all right? Yes, I'm fine. Why does everyone keep asking me that? I just need to, um, stretch my wings and get some exercise. Azriel began to beat his wings to lift himself into the air, but before he could get off the ground, he groaned in pain and sank back down. Beatrice was next to him instantly. "'You are clearly not fine. You need to tell me what's going on.' "'It's my stomach. I... I don't feel good.' Lyle joined Beatrice next to his brother. "'Maybe it was all that grass he ate.' "'Lyle! This is none of your business, okay?' "'Lyle, honey, give us a minute, please.' Beatrice turned back to Azriel in confusion." Azriel, were you eating grass? Azriel raised his eyes to his mother. He was crouched on the ground now, barely able to stand. He sighed. Yes. I'm sorry, what? I couldn't hear you. Yes, yes, okay, I've been eating grass. My goodness, Azriel, why? How much grass did you eat? A lot, I guess. I was hungry. But we have plenty of food. Petra brought back some rabbits she caught yesterday. You could have had those. Because, Mom... Azrael staggered to his feet. I can't eat those things. It's just, it's wrong. I can't do it. Look, Dad said that eating ponies was no different than eating any of those other things that we eat. And he's right. Ponies may be smarter and prettier and more magical than a fish or a rabbit, but that doesn't mean they're more deserving of life than those other creatures. I'm not going to take life just to fill my stomach anymore. I don't want to eat other animals. Why should I? Why do I have to? Because, Azrael, you're a dragon. That's how we live. That's what we eat. The ponies eat grass and they're fine. Why can't I just do what they do? Starfire the pony stepped forward. Dear Azrael, you poor thing. I am deeply moved by your concerns. However, I am afraid that ponies and dragons have drastically different digestive systems. We are built to eat grass, which is very difficult to digest, especially in the large quantities that a creature of your size would need to survive. Azrael lowered his head and groaned. I'm sorry, Azrael, said Beatrice, but I don't know what to tell you. You need to eat what dragons eat. That's how your body is made. Please, Mom, I can't do it. I don't want to. Well, mused Starfire, there may be another way. What do you mean? asked Beatrice. There may be a pony who can help. He has a more versatile diet than the rest of us, and he has great knowledge concerning the health and well-being of many creatures. Perhaps he will have some suggestions. Wow, can I meet him? Azrael asked. 
Starfire nodded. Yes, I'm sure he'd be happy to help. Spring Breeze, will you ask Bob if he could join us, please? I think he's in his burrow. Spring Breeze nodded and galloped off. Tom approached Asriel. I just want to say, Asriel, I think what you're doing is great. I sometimes wish I didn't eat animals, too. I mean, it feels kind of hypocritical, you know, to love them so much and then just turn around and eat them. Yeah, Asriel, interjected Edwin. You should do what you want. Be who you are. No one can tell you not to be who you are. Follow your own inner knowing. Edwin, Petra said, rolling her eyes. This is totally different than you being in love with Moonbeam. <gasps> Petra, what if he heard you? But also, it isn't different. It's the same. Everyone has to follow their heart. Asriel's heart is telling him to eat grass. I love Moonbeam, and Asriel loves grass. That is who we are. I actually don't like grass very much. Asriel, I am on your side, said Edwin. Spring Breeze returned, and Asriel noted in disappointment that she was alone. She broke through the tall grass near where the dragons waited and stood there placidly, staring at them. Um, where's Bob? asked Asriel. Oh, I'm sorry, answered Spring Breeze. I didn't mean to stand in front of him. She stepped to the side, revealing Bob. Everyone stared. There was total silence. Greetings, dragons, said Bob. It is uh, uh, quite a pleasure to meet you all, finally. Still, no one spoke. They just stared. What's the matter? Cat got your tongue? Quipped Bob. Just kidding. Of course there aren't at- Oh! Furball had jumped down from the tree he'd been napping in and strolled over to investigate the newcomer. I stand corrected. That is a cat. Tom pulled Talora aside and spoke in a low voice. Um, Talora? Yeah, Tom? Are you seeing a pony or a groundhog? Talora looked at Bob. He was small, furry, brown, and had bright black eyes, a cute button nose, and whiskers. Tom, I am definitely seeing a groundhog. Do you understand what it's saying? No, Tom, I don't speak groundhog. Oh, right, of course. We'll just have to ask the ponies or the dragons later. Bob cleared his throat. I, um, I heard there is someone here in need of my dietary expertise. Wait a minute, Lyle began to interject. That is not a put. But before he could say any more, Beatrice quickly silenced him with a look. The rest of the draglings and Tom and Talora could tell from her expression that they were not to state the obvious in this situation. Asriel stepped forward. Uh, yes, that's me. Excellent, said Bob. Please state your name, age, and species. Asriel, 15. Dragon. And, um, what seems to be the trouble, Asriel? Well, I don't want to eat animals anymore, but I tried eating grass like the ponies, and now I feel awful. Oh, ho, ho, I am sure you do, young fire breather. Your apex predator's gastronomy does not have the appropriate microorganisms to break down such complex carbohydrates. Not to worry. There are other fish in the sea, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Figuratively, of course. Some don't consider fish to be animals, but that is an omission of convenience, in my opinion, not of science. I digress. <laughs> well, you found just the pony for the job. My diet is uh, a little different from that of the other ponies. I subsist on a variety of plants, flowers, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and of course the odd grubber insect, but 
You wouldn't have to eat those unless you felt comfortable, of course. Wow, okay, thanks. So where do we start? Well, Bob said thoughtfully, trundling vigorously to and fro as he thought, Hmm, this process won't happen overnight, you see. It will not be easy. There will be trial, and there will be error. But I think with some dedication and a can-do spirit, we should be able to come up with a very satisfactory dragon dietary plan for you, my friend. Thank you, Bob. Not a problem. Now, first things first, let's get you back to my burrow so that I can give you a dose of my tried and true health tonic. We need to move that grass out of your bread basket and get some protein in there for energy. Azrael and Bob walked off, chatting animatedly together. Everyone else stared, dumbstruck after them. Well, Bob seems knowledgeable, started Beatrice. I know, said Starfire. He joined our herd when he was just a tiny thing. Been with us ever since. That's nice, Tom choked out. It really is, said Starfire, gazing fondly after Azrael and Bob's retreating forms. Lyle was looking around him in confusion. So is Bob a pony or a groundhog? Lyle admonished Beatrice. Oh, sorry, I meant woodchuck. A whistle pig? Marmot? Dearest Lyle, interjected Starfire, Bob is a pony. Do you understand? Yes, I think so, responded Lyle, clearly not understanding, but understanding that he was expected to understand and to stop asking questions. Before anyone else could say anything awkward, Carnelian, Amethyst, and Citrine landed in the middle of the gathering, appearing as if from nowhere. I hope whatever you're talking about isn't important, because I need everyone to listen to me carefully, right now, announced Carnelian, fluttering their wings gently to shake off some dewdrops. No, we were, um, we had just met Bob, said Beatrice. Lyle nodded vigorously. Yeah, Bob, the pony... Obviously, said Carnelian. Now listen, Beatrice, I know where we can find your egg. Beatrice stared. You... What? My suspicions yesterday were, unsurprisingly, perfectly correct. You see, this bone-eyed spider character is more than just a bad guy in a people tale. He is a deity... A godlike creature in an ancient and all but forgotten mythology. The great creator and devourer of the universe, in fact. Eating the world on one side while spitting it anew on the other. Blah, blah, blah. Ancient history. Well, <laughs> almost. There is a guild of individuals. Some might say fanatics who still worship this bone-eyed spider today. This guild made up of all creatures... Humans, ponies, even fairies, believes that the bone-eyed spider represents both the ending and the beginning of the world as we know it. I had forgotten all about these enthusiasts until Tom Tom gave his little concert yesterday. Well, this cute prophecy he mentioned is very real to the guild. They study it obsessively and look for any manifestation of the dragon star, the spider, or the dragon star's egg in the real world. They have for hundreds of years. And if little Tommy boy here could make out the connection between Shakatala and the dragon star, then you can bet your Barillonite that this guild made the connection first. Which means... No one? All right, I'll just tell you. They would search for Shakatala's egg... And they would take it, finished Beatrice. 
Oh, good. I'm so glad you were listening. I thought I would never stop talking. Well, Amethyst, Citrine, and I went looking for the members of the guild whom we are familiar with. We looked everywhere, added Amethyst, nodding. And we found absolutely no one. It was weird, said Citrine. Yes, incredibly, not a single member of the guild could be found. We asked around. We asked a lot of people. Then we destroyed their memories before they could... Amethyst, this will go faster if you stop interrupting. Also, I told you not to tell anyone about that. Oh, okay, sorry. This guild has become incredibly secretive, all but vanishing from the land over the course of the last year. Rumor has it that they have retreated to an island stronghold many miles to the east of here. It seems that they might be hiding something there, guarding it. Perhaps a weapon of some kind, it was suggested. My egg, interrupted Beatrice. Wait, are you basing this on what I said yesterday? Tom exclaimed. That was just a silly thought. The bone-eyed spider is just a story. It can't be real. It, Tom, Tom, you're delicious. But you of all people should know that there is no such thing as just a story. If the guild thinks that Shakatala is, or was, the dragon star, then it follows that they would also think that his egg, your egg, Beatrice, might be the next dragon star, as prophesied. If they control the egg, they control the fate of the world. I think that might be what they're hiding in this stronghold of theirs. I think the guild of the bone-eyed spider has your egg. So you think, said Beatrice slowly, that my baby is the next dragon star? Perhaps, if you believe in that kind of thing, which, judging from the looks on everyone's faces, you do. But remember, prophecies can be misleading. And do you know where the stronghold is? Ugh, please, of course I do. I could go there right now and investigate, but they'll have fairies with them, and the last time I got into a fight with another fairy, I was turned into a... into a... Oh, I can't even say it. Flower, blurted out Amethyst. They were turned into a flower. A big, pink peony. It was awful. I have nightmares. And daymares. We don't talk about that, Citrine told everyone else, patting Carnelian's back. Beatrice was pacing, shaking her wings out as if getting ready to launch into the air. Well, we have to go, right now. You'll tell us where it is, and we'll go there and find my egg, and... Beatrice, said Moonbeam, gently. What about Shakatala? Yes, yes, uh, I'm sorry, Moonbeam. Beatrice shook her head as if attempting to clear it. We must go to Shakatala first, and then we will go find my egg. Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Half an hour later, found an unusual procession making its way toward Shakatala's lair. After bidding goodbye to Smudge, who was busy putting a baby pony in a hole he had just dug and hadn't seemed to notice, Furball, 
who was asleep in a tree, and the fairies, who had stared at them blankly, Beatrice had launched into the sky, closely followed by Petra, carrying Talora, and Asriel carrying Tom. Lyle and Edwin were flying loop-de-loops around the rest of their family, and Moonbeam, Starfire, and dozens of the rainbow herd galloped below the dragons, matching them perfectly in speed. I love it when they run, exclaimed Edwin. I mean, just look at them. And everyone's manes are looking so tangle-free and shiny thanks to the pony spa. She and Lyle attempted an awkward high-five in mid-air. Tom and Talora would have high-fived each other, too, if that were possible. When they'd set off on their quest, they had assumed there would be much more dragon riding than there had been. Talora had only ridden Beatrice once, and it was after her unicorn attack and therefore not very much fun. And technically she had ridden Smudge when they had glided past the waterfalls, but she'd been so filled with terror she'd hardly noticed. This was the first time the two of them had really been able to fly since the dragon games. They kept grinning at each other. "'Hey, uh, Tom?' said Lyle, flying faster so he was keeping pace with Asriel and could speak to Tom. "'I couldn't help but notice that you brought your bow and arrows with you. "'So, uh, why'd you do that?' "'Oh, I don't know, just in case, you know, never hurts,' answered Tom. "'Sure, okay, right. I mean, that makes sense. "'But, like, was it also because there may be a battle "'and you want to be ready in case you have to, like, fight?' "'Um,' said Tom, looking nervously at Talora. In fact, he and Talora, who had her spear strapped to her back, had talked about it before leaving, and had both decided that bringing their weapons was a good idea. They trusted Beatrice, but they also knew she might need help, and if she did, they would be ready. "'No, Lyle, there's not going to be a battle,' said Talora confidently. "'It's just what we do. It's night training stuff. You know, always be prepared.' "'But Tom isn't a knight,' Lyle pointed out. "'He's a stable boy.' "'Keeper! Stable! Keeper!' "'And being prepared is really important for stable keepers, too,' Tom said hastily. "'Oh, that makes sense. "'Cause I'm pretty sure that a bow and arrow and a spear would be pretty useless against a dragon. "'I mean, especially the most powerful dragon who's like 100 times bigger than you, "'and who also has armor made by fairies. "'I bet it would be sort of like if a squirrel was throwing a pinecone at you, "'and the squirrel thought it was being really fierce, but really it was just kind of cute, you know? "'Oh man, that would be cute.' Tom and Talora looked at each other nervously. "'There it is,' Azrael called. "'See that bend in the river? "'If we land just there, that'll give us a chance to approach with the ponies on foot before he sees us.' "'Let's bring it down,' Beatrice said to her children, and the five dragons all shot toward the ground, Tom and Talora clinging on tightly. They landed near the riverbank by the cliff face. Azrael was looking nervously around him. "'Yeah, it's just up there,' he said, gesturing ahead of them with a talon. Tom and Talora slid off the draglings' backs and stood near them. Talora looked at Petra and placed a comforting hand on her neck. Though Petra's expression was firm and blank, Talora could tell she was nervous. She tried to imagine how she would feel if she were about to meet her father for the first time, and a shiver ran along her body. Then she looked at Beatrice. Something about her felt different. Talora could see waves of heat radiating from Beatrice's body. She seemed agitated, impatient... This wasn't like her. It occurred to Talora that the news about Beatrice's egg was still heavy on her mind. Beatrice had received the first real clue about her egg, her baby, since it had gone missing, and instead of heading out to find it immediately, she was stuck here, forced to deal with a pompous, hot-headed dragon. 
Delora hadn't seen Shakatala yet, but at this moment she couldn't imagine anything in the world more terrifying than standing between Beatrice and her egg. The ponies arrived in the thunder of hooves and dust, and Moonbeam and Starfire approached the dragons. You know that we can't fight him ourselves, Starfire said in a low voice to Beatrice, but we will support you if it comes to that. We can lend you our strength. Beatrice nodded. Thank you. I'm sure it won't come to that. The dragons, Tom, Talora, and the ponies made their way slowly along the cliff face. Lyle and Edwin were sticking close to Beatrice's sides, looking nervously around them, and Talora hadn't taken her hand off of Petra's shoulder as they walked. Why is it so quiet here? asked Edwin. The animals are gone, Azrael answered. They're afraid of him. I think I'm a little afraid too, said Edwin. Okay, it's there, Azriel said in almost a whisper. The procession halted behind him and everyone looked up to the gaping hole in the cliff face above their heads. Beatrice nodded. She looked behind her at the assembled ponies and at her children, and then took a deep breath. Shakatala, she called up toward the hole, her voice so loud that Tom and Talora both jumped. Shakatala, it's me! Silence. Everyone stood stock still, searching for some sign of him. What if he was out hunting? What if he was asleep, deep in the cave? Would they have to go in after him? Shakatala! Beatrice's voice was more of a roar now. And then they heard it. A low <laughs> chuckle coming from inside the cave. There was the sound of a slow, steady footsteps as the chuckling continued, and then they saw him. He appeared above them in the mouth of his lair and looked down at them, smiling. His armor shone and glittered brilliantly in the sunshine. Oh. My. Stars, said Tom, voicing exactly what Talora was thinking. Well, hello, Beatrice. It is, as always, lovely to see you. Beatrice gasped. It had been only two years since the last time she'd seen Shakatala, but she barely recognized him. He looked leaner, more scarred, and much older. But it was more than that. He didn't look like himself anymore. Though he had always been strong, fierce, and gruff, the face that grinned down on them now seemed like it belonged to another dragon. She tried not to let her voice waver as she replied, Shakatala, you've... changed... Shakatala released a cackling laugh, and he leapt off the ledge, wings folded at his sides, plummeting to the ground like a rock. He landed, and the whole earth shook with the force of it. Now they could see him in all his glory, his armor seeming to shoot off sparkles in the sunlight, his wide, blood-red body rippling with muscles and sinew. Talora thought he looked like something out of a children's book, an old-fashioned one where the evil dragon comes to destroy the human villages. Everyone but Beatrice backed away from him as he landed. I've changed, have I? Shakatala said, taking a few steps toward Beatrice. Well, I suppose you're right. I've been busy since we last met. You, on the other hand, are just the same as always. Dolores swallowed as she tried to avoid staring directly into Shakatala's yellow eyes. The difference in size between the two adult dragons was glaring. Talora fervently hoped that it didn't come to a fight. Shakatala was so big and his armor was stunning. Beatrice, on the other hand, was still recovering from the unicorn attack and wasn't at her full strength yet. 
Delora wished she'd let the fairies make her some armor, at least. That being said, Beatrice did not look at all weak. In fact, Delora noticed that despite the difference in size, Beatrice held her ground and fixed her gaze on Shakatala in a way that made them seem almost evenly matched. Shakatala was peering over Beatrice's head at the draglings, all of whom met his gaze with wide eyes. Well, 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 look who you brought with you. It appears we are to have a family reunion after all. Hi, squeaked Edwin. Hi, Dad. You must be Edwin, Shakatala said. Yes, that's me, and this is Lyle, Edwin said, gesturing towards Lyle, who seemed to have been turned to stone. Lyle, Shakatala nodded. And Petra. His eyes found Petra's, and Talora felt her whole body stiffen. And of course, Azriel and I have met already. But where are the two newest ones? I was hoping to see my babies. You don't know? asked Edwin in surprise. Beatrice silenced Edwin with a look. Smudge is with the ponies. He's still too young to fly very far. And his twin was... was stolen from me. I don't know where the egg is or if it has hatched. Shakatala's nostrils flared. You let someone steal our egg. Beatrice took a deep breath, ignoring the accusation. Yes, it is why I am here. I am searching for her, for the egg, for my baby. These humans here, she gestured to Tom and to Laura, have been helping me. Humans, humans have been helping you. Shakatala seemed to be getting angry, and everyone backed away from him even further. Beatrice, however, took a step forward. Yes, this is Talora. She will be a knight soon. And this is Tom. He's a stable boy, keeper. They are from Durga, and they have saved my life, along with the lives of your children. We owe them everything. Hmm, yes. I see that you have changed. You used to be stronger. His eyes were roving over to the ponies, and he began to laugh again. <laughs> well, I don't mean to be rude. I should be thanking you. I see you have brought me some snacks. How thoughtful. Moonbeam snorted, and several of the ponies began to paw the ground nervously. Shakatala, the ponies are why I have come to see you today. You must leave them alone. They have helped us. I was gravely injured. I almost died, and they've been caring for me, for all of us. What you are doing is not fair. They can't fight back. You will force them from their home if you continue to hunt them. I don't mind if they leave, said Shakatala lazily. I'll find them, wherever they are. I like a good hunt. That is not what we do. This land needs these ponies. You will destroy it if you continue. Beatrice said sharply. Shakatala, this is not who you are. You are a great dragon, the greatest dragon. Your mountains have been a paradise to behold, meticulously cultivated and cared for, teeming with life. And now... Beatrice gestured to the barren landscape around Shakatala's lair. What is this desolation? Why would you stoop to this villainy? Dragons do not eat creatures that are like ourselves, like the ponies. You must leave them in peace. It is time for you to go. Shakatala froze, and his yellow eyes locked into Beatrice's. And if I don't? Beatrice stiffened. Dolora could now feel as well as see the waves of heat pulsing from her. There was a silence. 
Finally, Beatrice spoke. Each word seemed squeezed from rock. I do not have time for this. Leave these ponies alone. Shakatala roared his laughter then. Oh, 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 or what? You will kill me? Oh. Why do kids bully other kids? Why does my friend lie to me? What do you do if your friends say you're bossy? How can I make a best friend? Friendships can be complicated. I'm psychologist and author Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore, host of the Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic podcast. Each weekly five-minute episode features a question from a kid about friendship, plus a practical and thought-provoking answer. Tune in to learn how you can build strong and caring friendships. Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic is available wherever you get podcasts. Beatrice, please. This isn't like you. You would never fight me, you know that. You could never win, for one thing. And for another, we both know you don't have a fighting bone in your body. It's what makes you such a good mother. Such a good mother. Sitting atop that sad little mountain of yours, never leaving. Teaching your children to care for other creatures. Teaching them weakness. And for what? You can't even protect an egg, stolen out from under your nose like a hen in her roost. What kind of a mother would let that happen? What kind of a mother would... Ah! The heat had been gathering inside of Beatrice, suddenly erupting in a blast of flame that hit Shakatala square in his chest and sent him flying backwards into the cliff behind him, so forcefully that rocks from all around came tumbling to the ground, hiding him in an explosion of dust and debris. Beatrice roared and launched herself at Shakatala, who had sprung into the air with lightning speed, unfazed by the attack. And in one single heartbeat, both dragons had taken flight, meeting in midair, their bodies crashing together with a thunderous clap. The battle was on. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for Episode 4, Sky Battle, with special guest artist Sarah Wolf. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication, and she has recently become very familiar with the internet. Also, a quick thank you to Sarah and to Cleo for your wonderful review on iTunes. That was so nice to see, and we apologize if we made anyone forget that they were going to school while listening. If you are enjoying Fad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us and to Petra. You can also join us on Patreon or buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes, share your drawings or thoughts about the show, and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com slash fadpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're very excited to be joined today by Hank and Phoebe. Hank and Phoebe have their own podcast. They're also members of Kids Listen, and their podcast is 
awesome and it's a really big deal in our house it's called the adventures of power dog we highly recommend it so if you haven't already you should totally check that out hi to aaron davis who created our lovely bob illustration that was so much fun aaron i just love it i don't know much about working in watercolors what are sort of the the challenges and the um perks of working in watercolor? That's a great question. Uh, watercolor is definitely uh, a little bit unpredictable. You can't really control it like with a marker. So sometimes it helps to have an outline or something uh, that you know will be able to define a shape because to get something really crisp in watercolor is kind of difficult. I, I really like it for its versatility and get some mm -hmm. bright colors with it. And it's just super fun to do. You know, there's a scary episode. And so I wanted to try to do something cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Abe. Ooh, Lyle. Abe, I love that you are doing these awesome plus plus sculpture slash models. I love that. There's all his wings right here. I see. Uh, Oliver. I have a question for you, Aaron. Um, I really like how... In a lot of your drawings, you have elaborate pictures, like really, it's not that detailed, but it's really like colorful. I really like that. Also, I made this. It's a bone on spider and that, and the dragon star all wound up in the web. So cool. Thank you, Oliver. What about you, Graceland? Well, I just wanted to say, here say to Aaron, um, that Aaron Bob was really cute, and, and I think it was a good idea. Like, since that was kind of a scary episode, like you said, it, it was really good to do something, like, cute and, like, a groundhog. Wouldn't it be funny if it was, like, uh, the other way around? Like, he thought he was a groundhog. I mean, he thought he was a groundhog, but he was a pony. Like, the switching around, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. yeah, you'd have a hard time going in the ground. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you really big burrow. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of it was in Shakatala. You like Shakatala, Rowan? It was my mushroom house. Mushroom house. <laughs> That's awesome. I made that the library. Uh-huh. This is mine. You hold it a little closer, Poppy? These are the two fairies. And uh, one of them was holding a snack popcorn on a rope. One of the fairies was holding a snack? It was popcorn on a rope? Yeah. That's great. Wow, I feel like one piece of popcorn would maybe fill up a whole fairy. And my mushroom house. Oh, did you make these mushroom houses today? Yes. Yeah. Wow, you have been very busy today, both of you. Um, Hank, what about you? Um, so, um, I made Shakatala's head with the little piece. Whoa, that is really cool. I love seeing these kind of three-dimensional renderings of the characters. Does anyone feel like things are getting too scary? Or no, do you think no, I, I think everything's going awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I kind of like knew once I heard Lyle talking about the battle that there was going to be a battle with the bow and arrow and the spear. I liked the battle. Um, I like how it seems like Beatrice is like not gonna hurt 
uh, Shakatala that much, but actually does hurt Shakatala. Mm-hmm. That's what I actually like. Yeah, yeah. I love, Hank, you're so observant about how stories unfold, but often with stories, there are these clues that we can find, right, to, to know what's coming. And then even if we do know that there's going to be a battle, the outcome might be a surprise. I can make an eye with my finger. No, oh, you can. Look at that. I can, I can make a heart with my hands. Also, when, when... On to the hand-shape portion of our program. <sighs> oh, did you notice? I have a mohawk. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fadpack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic, Graceland, and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time.